0: Aliens and flying saucers. Hey, greetings and welcome to the 86th episode of Two Writers and Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, author of multiple New York Times bestsellers, and a contributor to The Athletic. The music you're listening to is croissants from the great MC Whiteout. And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from sports writing to screenwriting to comics to novels to hard to... Whatever genre I'm thinking of. And today's guest, well, this is going to sound sort of weird, but hear me out. In 1986, Stanley hers the president of a Stanford, Connecticut-based executive search firm, self-published a business book titled Conquering the Corporate Career. The book sold, I don't know, maybe a thousand copies, and then it sort of vanished. But for me, it changed my life. Stanley hers real name, Stan Perlman, is my dad. And everything about that experience, the self publishing, the beautiful writing, moving copies to prime bookstore real estate, made a huge impact on my life and career. So, my dad was in California visiting last week, and I thought it'd be really fun to have a conversation. And here we are, me and Stanley Hers, talking shop on two writers. Singing Yang. This is a different, totally different kind of episode of Two Writers Singing Yang. Um, I'm sitting here with my parents, my mother, Joan, say hi. Hi. And my father, Stan Perlman. Hi. <laughs> and um, we're sitting here in Carlsbad, California, and we're eating uh, breakfast. And I have before me a book called Conquering the Corporate Career. And it came out in 1986. It was published by Kimberly Press. And um, as we speak, I just looked, Dad, why are you in the bathroom? It is ranked on Amazon right now, this moment. Amazon sales rank, 9,468,973rd. 9, and here's one thing I can tell you. Somewhere out there, there's some author who's sitting at 9,468,974th who's really pissed off. So <laughs> How often, how often would you say you check your Amazon rank for Conquering the Corporate Career? I think I last checked it about 25 years ago. Uh-huh. Basically, Conquering the Corporate Career is a business book that my dad self-published, and before I get into interviewing, I want to read the first two pages. It's my favorite chapter of any book ever. It's called In Memory of Walter, He Got What He Deserved. And this is what it says. It says, uh, Although I made it a point to disguise the identity of anyone I refer to in this book, there's a certain individual who had so doomed himself to an abysmal life of anonymity that for me to disclose his name will give him the the one bit of attention that had so eluded him during his lifetime. This individual had become so comfortable in his routine that he summarily rejected any opportunity to attempt anything new or different he merely lived to exist. One might perhaps have taken pity on him when aware that he was a victim of his upbringing. I understand that his parents are every bit as cautious and fearful as their progeny. Most people choose their adult roles to provide both the tangible pleasures of life and a daily psychological fulfillment. This individual seemed to have achieved neither. His day-to-day was one of predictable pattern. Every minute knew what the next would bring. If he were still with us today, I would know what to expect. The comfort of familiarity uh, pervaded every aspect of his lifestyle. His living quarters were no different when he passed on from when he first moved in. He had his favorite foods and was quite content not to vary his diet. He chose not to make new friends or meet new people, shunning the companionship of those he was not already at ease with. For exercise, he simply paced back and forth by himself. I wonder if in his peripatric meanderings, he ever stopped to think about how the excitement of life had eluded him. I would not have taken any real notice of Walter, indeed his real name, except for one incident that occurred just before his demise. When I attempted to remove him from his cage and clean it, he refused to leave, huddling in the corner. I suppose one should not have expected too much from a guinea pig. But how many people are a little better off than Walter? How many individuals choose conveniently to nestle in the corner of their self-constructed cages of familiarity and habit? How many individuals pass up new career opportunities only to remain in slow-track safe positions how many people fail to add fulfillment to their lives by taking prudent risks and stretching to new levels of obtainment every person has a capability to expand to new horizons no human being should confine himself to a cage first of all that's great but i think now here we are 33 years later and i think you need to admit there's a lie to that
1: i don't think there's any lie to it uh it is absolutely true uh people have the ability to go much further than they normally do. Uh, They're afraid to take chances. They're afraid to reach out. Wait, but there was a big lie hanging over that chapter. What's the
0: lie? Mom, what was the guinea pig's name? Uh, Waldorf. uh, The guinea pig's name was Waldorf, not
1: Walter. (laughs) Do you want to come clean now or later? Okay, you you caught me. You know, uh, you you might say... uh, I, oh, a, little, a little bit a little bit of politics reached into me, and I lied a little bit. It was uh, Walter, and not Waldo, But it's really true, what I said. I agree. When this book came out,
0: I was 14 years old. You self-published it. At the time, you were writing...
1: Were you, was it a weekly column for the local newspaper, a business column? Well, let me swallow my tuna. Go ahead. Really, the, the whole genesis of the book, the, the, the origin it was... Um, I just started an executive search firm at that point in time uh, with the partner and we decided to put out a newsletter and I I always loved writing and I loved to look at what motivated people. Uh, I was a corporate manager prior to that so I had a lot of experience in that area. So we started to write a newsletter that we put out periodically for, for the corporation and then with the marketing tool, simple marketing tool. But then I looked at it and I said, you know, Newspapers should publish this. And I contacted a number of newspapers. Gannett Westchester was one of them. Uh, the Danbury News Times was another. I called up the editors and uh, they wanted to see what I did. And they really liked it. So they all started to publish it. Gannett was uh, minus indication. They had published 12 papers in the area. Uh, the Danbury News Times picked it up. And some of them, uh, I would have done it for free, but some of them insisted on paying me for it. Uh, so I wrote these columns for a number of years on a weekly basis and then I was about to start a new firm and I thought it would be a great marketing tool to have a book. I looked at all the columns I wrote and I decided I'll publish the book and send advertisements about the book to my potential clients as a search firm. And that would be an alternative uh, form of marketing. Uh, I had to pull printers, I had to arrange, uh, hire an editor to do the editing, I had to do cover design, and uh, it was a glorious process. I printed a thousand books, and I think it cost me about $10,000 for the whole process. Bearing in mind, this is 1986, so it'd be uh, about 20000 uh, today, but you can do it very, very cheaply on-demand on printing uh, line for a number of companies. But the book served
0: its purpose. It was a very, very good marketing tool. But right, so you decide to self-publish. Never obviously published a book before. Because I feel like they're actually... Self-publishing now... Like, I still get a lot of emails from people saying, like, I want to... Should I self-publish a book, right? And you're right. It's a million times cheaper now. You could just put it up on Amazon as a digital book. But I think there's actually... First of all, there's something nice about holding a book in your hands, even uh, even if it's not as in vogue as it was 30 years ago. Was it a pain in the ass to do this? Like, did it? No,
1: I, I love that. Uh, I love the process of doing it, and I also love the marketing of the book at the same time. Uh, you mentioned it was started uh, published by Kimberly Press. That was a company that I created. I went through a number of names for the company. I decided once it's a name and it. it sounded somewhat familiar, and Kimberly was the name that rang a bell. Um, maybe people thought of uh, Kimberly Clark But it was a good name to uh, Wait, name. so Because if you look at the spine of the book It says Kimberly Press yeah, And there's a little logo of an open book Did you pay someone to design that? Was it off of like clip art? I, I paid someone to design it But it actually came up with the idea To cover a very simple cover I look at books in the bookstore uh, I wanted something that was relatively inexpensive, and I saw a book similar to this, and then I paid a cover designer to really put it into uh, fruition. No, right. But that, that was, uh, half the fun was really marketing it, because I made up flyers, glossy flyers, that advertised the book, and, and again, I sent it to the same distribution, I was still doing newsletter for my new company, uh, but I sent it to the same distribution as uh, the, the uh, my clients so again it was an alternate source i didn't make the connection between my company and kimberly press i kept kimberly press as a registered name i kept that completely separate i never intended to make a lot of money on it i probably i'm sure i lost money on it the, 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 the i feel r- like you're being really modest
0: no, no. wait mom how much money did he make on this book I
1: have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I certainly made the money in terms of the increased business. Well, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of what I learned from you over there is like um, I
0: remember when your book came out, and we were going to Walden Books in the mall, right? right? You and I both, and uh, we would take the book from the whatever business section and move it up to the back. I was literally, I've had not joking about this through the years. I've had dozens and dozens of authors tell me that they got the idea to move their books in bookstores from seeing me do it online. I'm saying I got that from 1986. We go to the Jefferson Valley Mall. We go to the Walden Books. We take the book out of business. We put it in the bestseller section. We return to the mall two days later, and the freaking book is back in the, in the business section. And we-
1: was headquartered in Stamford, Connecticut where my office was yeah. uh, so I actually went down to speak to Walden Books itself and I spoke to the representative for the local area. You actually called you called Walden Books I, and said I, can I talk to you guys? I, yes I called them and I made an appointment to see him. I brought a cup they wanted to see the book that was very important to them They're to see the book. See it was professional worthy of uh, being put in Walden Books. You know. uh, And if you notice, the book is complete with an international bookseller's number, which is very important to him also. So I did a very thorough job of preparing the book in every professional sense uh, possible. And when they saw the book, and they saw it was very viable, buy- buy- and I think they thought it was pretty good also, they agreed to put it in
0: all the local bookstores. I say this with no, like, um, like I've probably sold a lot more books than you have if we compare Conquering a Corporate Career. And when Amazon run, I feel like you're almost choked on your tuna. when Amazon runs out of one of my books, right, and I reach out to Amazon, their basic response is, sorry, buddy, like, the idea that you could call Walden Books and say, yeah, hey, I'm going to come down and bring my book and maybe you guys would sell it is so preposterous for modern times it wouldn't happen maybe, maybe that's why they're not in business anymore yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy the very idea that you could like oh thanks mom my mom just paid for lunch um the very idea that you can you could call them up and get a meeting with them over a book that i mean this book couldn't have
1: made them more than i don't think it have made anything uh they had books left over right uh and the agreement with Walden Books is they would uh, stock it for a certain period of time. I think it was 90 days. right? And they could return any books within 100 days, let's right, say. Right. Well, they wanted to return books, but they, but they waited too long. Wait, really? <laughs> so I refused to take them back. <laughs> That's so awesome. Wait. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: thank you. Wait, so they you had an agreement with them yeah, over X, X amount of days? I get a little more coffee? Is that possible? Yeah. All right, thanks. Wait, you had an agreement over X amount of days. Right. If it's... They have to return the books before 90 days.
1: Well, before a certain period of time. I don't, yes, I I don't recall what it was, but... Uh they waited too long. It was like three months and one. And you are like, 10 like, And that's, I have not taken it back.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. So, somewhere in a Walden Books warehouse, in an abandoned Walden Books warehouse in like Bethesda, Maryland, there's a copy of these cobweb it, covered. It, it probably still exists. Wow, that's pretty fantastic. You also, another thing you did that you taught me uh, is I remember we, we created a fake publicist named Arthur Haviland. Which I actually, I actually brought Arthur Havilland back. So I used him with my first book, The Bad Guys One. I didn't know what I was doing. I know how to promote a book, and we kind of—I was like, I'm going to create this fake publicist because I didn't like the idea of how it look of me calling everyone and begging. So I made i wrote a write emails from Arthur Haviland. I might even even use Kimberly Press or whatever. And you had a number. You still had your office at the time. So with a, I think with an empty phone, with a phone that I could use as a phone number. Oh, thank you. So. um I had Arthur Havilland representing me. But well, you came up with the idea, I believe, of having a
1: fake publicist. Well, it wasn't, you say, a fake publicist. It wasn't quite fake. So uh, there is
0: an Arthur Havilland somewhere,
1: I that. Somewhere. So I actually came across an obituary of Arthur Havilland a number of years ago. Is that stuff. true? It, it, absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't the Arthur Havilland. The Arthur Havilland still lives. But the idea, if I'm marketing the book, if I'm marketing the book to my third client... As a third party, Kimberly Press, I had to have a person representing Kimberly Press. So in marketing letters, I created Arthur Hamlin. Um, Do you remember why you came up with the name Arthur Hamlin? I, I have no idea. Time, but probably, I just like the name. It's so funny. I,
0: I really feel like, I'm not just saying this, like I I get a lot of people who say to me, like you really know how to pimp a book. Like to me, right? Like man, you know, you know how to sell a book. And I date it all back. I really do to conquer the corporate career because I remember vividly. First of all, I always say, like, I think about this all the time. How I think about how my kids look at me, right? And. And I remember how I looked at like this book coming out and how it was the hugest thing to me and how it was just like amazing to me that my dad wrote this book and here it is in a bookstore and like the profound effect it had on me, you know, this coming out. This idea of like making it by yourself, marketing it. Pimping it, trying to sell it—it just like really had a
1: profound. I don't know. Did you learn to sell from something? I'll tell you what really uh, made the biggest impression on on me. Yeah. My um, grandparents uh, were Russian immigrants. uh, William and Rebecca. uh, They had a small uh, mom and pop hardware store. As a little child, I would go to the store, do some work in the store, and I was fascinated by the idea that they would buy product, stock it, and sell the product for a mock-up. I got the bug to be in a small business. Now, I didn't know anything about small business. I went to college. I graduated. My first job was IBM Corporation. Not quite a small business. Uh, I spent 15 years in major corporations, but I always had this bug. I wanted to be a small business. Businessman. And so I had the opportunity to go to the search business. But I always felt I was creative. I didn't look at things in the straight chapter. And then it goes back to the first chapter you quoted about Walter or Waldorf. His name was Waldo. All the okay, being in itself, cell, many people are like that. Uh, they go to work for a large corporation, and they feel that's the only way to do things. And that's not. That. I think more people have to be creative. And I think today, more and more people are creative and want to undertake creative endeavors. But they have to start with a blank slate and say, there's no one way to do things. When I marked the book, I I published the book, I had no background in doing it. I went to a library, I looked at books on uh, publishing, but no one told me anything. I had to figure it out myself just want to be a creative. When I came up with the uh, cover, I looked at other books. I decided that would be a nice type of cover to have. When I went to a uh, marketing campaign, that's where marketing campaign, that's what I love to do. And, and uh, I had a completely blank slate. And. The way I ran my search business, I was very, very highly successful in the search business. And I think it was, uh, I was successful because I didn't pay attention to anything anyone else did. I used my own personality, my own strengths, and did it my way. And it all goes back to that was the origin of the book also,
0: and that's how I approached it. I was saw I think we were all a little embarrassed that time. You were tap dancing on the side
1: of the road trying to sell it. Well, that, you, you know, you're kidding about that. But during... Um, in junior high school and high school, I used to uh, have small businesses. Uh, I sold encyclopedias to the and I learned oh, yeah. a tremendous amount about human nature by selling encyclopedias and right. seeing how the, the system worked. But you probably don't know, I also sold shoe polish down on the street, down Sheep's at Sheepshead Bay. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I saw this advertisement, and I, this goes back a few years, I must say. I, being either in high high school and I saw the advertisement for this miracle shoe polish that you spray on shoes and uh, it has a shine in it. It seems like a great product. And I bought it and I went down with a suitcase. I put a full uh, bunch of cans in a suitcase. I stood stood on sheep's day and passersby would walk by and I'd say I'll shine your shoes for you. And a few cans sold Ruined one pair of shoes in the process. I didn't know it didn't work on suede. Oh, yeah. You can't Fort- shine suede. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, the, mental, guy was, mental note. Yeah, the, the guy wasn't too bad at me after I. Uh, it's <laughs> kind of on him a little bit. You yeah. got to know if you have suede yeah. shoes. <laughs> his, his shoes turned white afterwards, but he, he wasn't a good made shoes because they must have been old shoes.
0: Before we continue with Two Riders Sling and Yang, quick word from our sponsor Hey, this is Jeff Perlman, and I'm here with my son Emmett who has decided to leave the family and join a drum-banging cult. Emmett, seriously, I think it's a terrible idea. Emmett, please, don't join the cult. Stay with our family and grow up to be a happy, well-adjusted child. I'll get you Holland Roots tickets. I'll teach you how to shoot snot out of a single nostril. I'll tell you the entire plot to Rocky II. I'll let you get whatever jersey you want from 503 Sports. Even a Doug Flutie General's jersey. You can go on the website, 503 sports.com, and pick it out.
1: The special 1985 version, red with the patch and the stitched letter? Yes! Okay, Dad, I didn't really want to change my name to Moonbeam Rainbow anyhow.
0: Do you remember actually, um, books showing up like do you have any
1: memory of that getting your copies of the book or seeing it for the first no, time ab- absolutely absolutely. what do you remember and uh, I was going down to visit visit their grandma on a plane at the time she lived in Florida I was going down the plane and I was just reading my own book, staring at it. And the woman next to me said, You wrote that book, didn't you? Well, my cover one is on the back page. You oh, yeah. The, the picture. The, right? uh, the picture. And I felt so proud. I was a recognized author at that time. That's funny. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. Um,
0: I just think it's great. I think it's great. So, I mean, the benefit of. I mean, it's kind of simplistic tie into modern times, but, like, a lot of people do write me and say, should I self-publish, should I self-publish? You would say, go for it. Uh, definitely,
1: uh, because I, I, you think, I think you have to ask yourself, if the opportune time is right to do it now, what happens if I don't take advantage of it? If people ask you, should I self-publish, the, the better question is, what happens if I don't self-publish? They'll probably go through their whole life wondering what would have happened if I did that. And and you know, the old uh, platitude goes, it's better to love and fail than to never have loved at all. Uh, to paraphrase it, you have to try things, and it's much better than not trying things and spending the rest of your life wondering what would have happened If I did that I feel like there is a question That's going to hang
0: over this podcast That needs to be answered And it's a uh, So I just want to say Like years and years ago When my grandparents Who are now deceased Were still alive My dad and I Did these interviews with them That we taped Right And it was like Almost like All the questions That need to be asked Right So then, The name on the book Is Stanley hers And the name of your company Was Stanley Herz and Company And obviously your name Real name is Stanley Perlman and I've always heard two reasons. I've got two reasons in my head why we did this, and I think both now in 2018 are kind of understandable. Number one, as I can attest, to Perlman is a pretty shitty phone name. It just doesn't. You get lost in the Earl somewhere, where it's like Perlman, Perlman. And the other is, people still back when you started this business had their sort of presumptions about Jews and the name Perlman. So what was he? What was he? Why Stanley hers? And hers, I should say, is my mom's maiden name, which is kind of weird.
1: Absolutely true. And, and what happened? The way it came about. I was initially between my corporate life and uh, starting my firm. I was working for someone else in the search business. And I found myself using the telephone much more than I ever had previously. And Perlman was just not going across the phone. The M N E. It's
0: almost hard to explain to people because it doesn't look like... It's not like your last name is Ziboski, Yeah, But it, yeah. it's a
1: hard name. It's a hard name. Yeah. Uh, people would not pick it up. I had to find pneumatic tricks to get the name across. And I was speaking to mom about it. And she said, I, I know what you mean. I never had the problem when I was using my maiden name. Now that I'm a pro, but I'm having that problem also. And then it clicked, I'll use uh, my uh, maiden name. But the other thing is, I started the business... Uh, 1980 uh, almost 39 years ago and, and um, there was a certain hesitation to use Jewish names at, the point, at that point uh, now it's quite common but, and you have actors and actresses have Jewish names and uh, At that time, there were very, very few. Um, And it was best, simply, I wasn't ashamed of it. It was best if it simply didn't come up as an an issue. And I did have one experience early in my career. Um, I'm I'm a CPA, I have a master's in business. And uh, after IBM, I was calling around to uh, major CPA firms to see if they, I wanted to move into public accounting. uh, one firm, I spoke to one firm, and they were all hiring junior accountants at the time. I should have had no problem getting a job. And the personnel manager at this company said, uh, what did you say your name was? And I made sure he knew. I said, Perlman, P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N. I'm sorry, Mr. Perlman, we have no openings right now. Wow. And I knew what that meant. So that was one of the reasons. Fortunately, today, hopefully, that doesn't exist in corporate America. Did you ever have anyone say, uh, you know, I'm glad to be Stanley Hers. I'm glad to be working with a good Christian man. It's no, like no, 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 <laughs> it, it, I avoided the whole issue coming yeah. up. But then most people met me, know I'm Jewish. In fact, uh, the funny story is, most of my clients were Jewish. And you do share a commonality with other Jews and Christians with share commonalities with other Christians. It does come across in your day-to-day relationships, uh, but it's not something you want to market either way or the other. Right. Um, I just want to wrap this by saying
0: My first book Bad Guys 1 I actually dedicated to I wrote uh, To Catherine and Casey Because Catherine and Casey Marta And then I wrote And in memory of Walter He got what he deserved And that's an ode to I would say truly Not just saying this The most influential book Of my life When it comes to sort of Wanting to be a writer And seeing it marketed And like You know So uh Thank you, Dad, for, for talking and enjoying
1: your tuna sandwich and, you know, inspiring me. Thank you, Jeff, for the opportunity of doing that. And you brought back memories, the things I have not thought about in ages and ages. And, you know, I would like to include by saying it's really a great book. <laughs> it is a great book. Mom, how many times have you read the book? <laughs> so many, I can't remember.
0: Yeah, right. What's your favorite chapter? Uh, two. Yeah, <laughs> I want to thank today's guest, Stanley Perlman, for joining me on Two Riders Sling and Yang. You can follow my dad on absolutely no social media. There's a pretty big deal on the Somers New York Rotary. And you can order Conquering the Corporate Career on Amazon or just break into the garage. He's got a bunch in a box. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. Visit the website at 503-sports.com. One can listen to Two Riders Sling and Yang on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And reviews are always appreciated. Music is by the dazzling MC Whitehall. Thanks again for joining me, and remember,
1: keep writing.